are listening to the podcast of the White Church at the Elk River YMCA in Minnesota. Our mission is to seek Jesus, connect together, and share his love. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go. And tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Set free. Do we need to be set free from anything? Some might ask. Do we? The Y Church was started 12 years ago here at the YMCA, and I was looking back at some of the leading news stories of the last 12 years, and I want to share those with you. 2010, when we began. The BP oil spill, the largest environmental disaster in U.S. history. 2011, Fukushima and the tsunami that hit Japan, the second worst nuclear disaster in world history. 2012, Sandy Hook. 2013, the Boston Marathon bombing. 2014, Russia annexes Crimea. 2015, the German wings plane crash in the Alps. 2016, the Flint, Michigan water crisis. 2017, that was Hurricane Harvey, Irma, and Maria, all in one month's time. 2018, the deadliest wildfires in California history. 2019, the college admission scandal. 2020, the coronavirus pandemic begins. 2021, the pandemic is not gone. 2022, of course, Russia invades Ukraine. Do we need to be set free? It sure seems like it. It feels like we're stuck and hurting on this planet. And that's not even counting all of the personal losses and disasters and tragedies and heartaches of the years. If you are in need of good news this morning because the news of this world has got you depressed and discouraged, then you have come to the right place. Because Easter morning has news that transcends every headline. And it's good. It's good news. There is freedom from this never-ending news cycle and personal struggle and the pall of death. And that's the news that I want to share with you today. It's the news that brings us here, not just on Easter morning, but every Sunday morning. And it comes from the pages of Scripture and this real-life event recorded for us in the Gospels. In the weeks leading up till now, we have been studying passages from Matthew, and of all the gospel writers, Matthew is known for two things. First, 
he's writing to a Jewish audience. And secondly, he's keenly interested in discipleship, what it means to follow Jesus. Matthew wants us to know what discipleship looks like. Here's what Jesus has called you to. And so here we are at the end of his gospel in chapter 28, after seven chapters detailing Jesus' suffering and death, and we arrive at this story on Sunday morning. And it's so early as the story begins that it's still dark out. I do the early morning shift with the baby at our house. So Esther is up with him in the night, and then I get up in the early morning. Divide and conquer. And I think I got the easier job based on how often he's up. We have a pretty good routine now when it's the two of us. The rest of the house is asleep, and there we are, standing. We usually start at the living room window, just looking back into the backyard. And he is wide awake and happy as a clam and sucking on his nook. And he's looking at the moon shining up there still, and he's scanning the backyard. And he might see the headlights of a car that's going down the road and the highway in the distance. And so there we are, and and pretty soon the furnace will kick on in the morning, and then the what is it, steam, I guess? You know, the air temp being so cold, the steam is rising up from under the window, and he's peering down there, just amazed at whatever is happening in the world. That's our early morning. So these two women in the story, they wake up that early. They gather the things that they'll need to head to Jesus' tomb. In Jewish burial custom, it was the women who would have this job of going to a deceased loved one and anointing the body with sweet-smelling spices and balms. But because Jesus had died, if you remember the story, just before the Sabbath began, and you couldn't do that kind of work on the Sabbath, they had to postpone that duty until today, Sunday. And first chance they have, they get up to head to the tomb. And yet as they arrive there, there is an altogether different scene that awaits them. There is a violent earthquake, it says, as an angel comes down from heaven, rolls back the stone that seals the tomb, and then sits down on top of it. Matthew says his appearance was like lightning, whatever that looks like. I can tell you that it's way better than anything Marvel can depict. And it says his clothes were as white as snow, whiter than any bleach you could ever use on an old t-shirt. And as this angel arrives, it is scary and awesome in the true sense of the word, so much so that the soldiers who are guarding the tomb, they shook like leaves and passed out, seasoned, hardened soldiers that are scared to death. But the women are still upright, or at least conscious. Luke's gospel tells us that they're on the ground too, face down with fear. But the angel's purpose is not to scare them. He's come to tell them some very important news, which we have in verses 5 through 7. And it's these verses, 5 to 7, that I like to focus on, specifically on the four main things that the angel says. Just a personal note, for me, four is a significant number this year, as four children are joining our family through adoption. Four is the number given in the text. If you do an expositional outline, those are the high-level statements the angel makes. But for me, it was like this little God wink, this fun little note to be able to share with you these four things and to honor our four new children on this Easter. 
Number one, the angel says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. On Thursday night, we had our first ever Seder meal here at the Y. That's the meal that commemorates the Last Supper that Jesus celebrated with his disciples as they gathered for Passover. And then later this week, I was doing some reading and ran into an article about Ukrainians who are refugees in Poland now, and there they were, gathered together for the Seder. Very much like God's people in Egypt, on the run. And one of them in the story cited an old Hebrew song that goes like this, All the world is a narrow bridge, and the most important thing is to not be afraid. Now, if you're afraid of heights, then you can only imagine how scary it would be to be suspended way up in the air on a narrow bridge. One misstep, and it would result in a fatal fall. A narrow bridge is a precarious place to be. But God's word says to us, do not be afraid. And that command is based in his character. That he is bigger than any bridge. He is taller than any height. And his watchful eye ever watching over his beloved children. While in Israel a few weeks ago, uh, we had a group there uh, touring, 33 of us from the Y Church. One of those travelers took a terrible fall down a flight of stairs. And when I saw the picture of this flight of stairs and that she had stepped backwards and fallen down, I was just shocked that she was not seriously injured. And then I remembered the scripture that we had prayed over those Israel travelers the Sunday before they left. Psalm 121, verse 3. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. I believe there was miraculous protection over her life that day in Israel. God is not asleep at the switch. Though the earth may tremble, though we may misstep, Though the news of the day can bring us to our knees in fear and anxiety, it is not the final word. And the Lord says to you today, just as he said 2,000 years ago, do not be afraid. From Christmas to Easter, we see these words from the shepherds in the field to the women who are at the tomb. And we must take them to heart as we follow Jesus across this narrow bridge. Number two. The second thing that the angel says is, he isn't here. He isn't here. And it isn't because his body was stolen. It isn't because they mistakenly arrived at the wrong tomb. It isn't because Jesus wasn't really dead and somehow revived and stumbled out of the grave. No, the angel says he isn't here because he's risen. The bodily resurrection of Jesus remains the single most important event in history. If Jesus rose from the dead, then it is the most important thing that you could ever have to make sense of. And if he didn't, well then frankly it's eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. Friedrich Nietzsche understood this. He's the one who famously declared that God is dead. 
And he understood that in saying that, you could not somehow swing around to create your own meaning in life. Not like the existentialists did. Like Sartre or Camus or Heidegger. They all agreed. They said there's no God, but they said you can still create your own meaning. And Nietzsche called foul. He knew that that was logically inconsistent and that true atheism cannot produce morality and it certainly cannot produce meaning. Nietzsche said, God is dead. God remains dead. How shall we comfort ourselves? And if you know his story, you know that Nietzsche, a brilliant mind, the chair of his department at the age of 24 at the University of Basel, exerted enormous influence on Western philosophy and intellectual history. Nietzsche, by the age of 45, suffered mental breakdown and spent the last decade of his life with the diagnosis of insanity. His life was empty. And how desperately he needed to hear, no, the tomb is empty. Friedrich, Jesus is alive and your life can be full of meaning because God lives and he loves you. That's what he needed. Lots of things in life can be empty, can't they? And it's usually not a good bit of news. You know, when your bank account is empty, it's not good. When your car is empty, it's not good. When your cell phone battery is empty, it's not good. And we know there are other things in life that can feel empty too. Your job a place at the table, maybe today as you gather, a relationship can feel empty. But there is one thing that is empty that's good news. It's the best news, in fact, so much so that it can fill up every other place that is void in your life. It can fill up everything else, every other place of emptiness. And of course, that is Jesus' tomb that's empty. He isn't here, the angel said, because he's risen. Then we come to the third one. The angel says, number three, come and see. Come and see where he lay. It's like the angel is saying to them, well, don't take my word for it. Come and see for yourselves. And I love this invitation in Scripture that we run into not just here at the tomb, by the way, but we find this other places as well. Psalm 66 says, come and see. Jesus' first disciples, come and see. The woman at the well, come and see. Lazarus' tomb, come and see. The tomb of Jesus, come and see. And that invitation still stands for you. That the one by whom all things were created, the one who put the planets in place, took on human flesh, and he says to you, come and see. An invitation for people of every age and every place and every time. Charles Wesley was one of those who had to come and see. He was born and lived in 18th century England, the son of a preacher, and so he had proximity to church, maybe like many of us. Some proximity to a Sunday service here and there. It just wasn't personal for him. And that's the way he lived for the first 30 years of his life. And on the outside, you'd look at Wesley and you'd say, everything was fine. 
He was good at school. He got a good job. He tried to do the right thing. And yet on the inside, he's going on his 30th birthday saying something is missing. Something is not right. And he felt God nudging him on an ordinary day. Come and see. Come and see for yourself. And so he did. His life was transformed the day that he finally personally met Jesus. For Charles Wesley, it was all of a sudden then not a religion. It was a living faith. It was a personal relationship with Christ that would carry him the rest of his life. And he didn't have an easy rest of his life. Did you know that when you choose to follow Jesus, it doesn't automatically mean an easy life? Charles Wesley, his wife, they lived in hard times. The average life expectancy was 37. And they buried five of their eight children in infancy. It is with that in the back of your mind that I want to read to you just a few verses from a famous song that he wrote called, Christ the Lord is Risen Today. He wrote, Lives again our glorious King, where, O death, is now thy sting? After bearing that fifth child. Once he died our souls to save, where thy victory, O grave? Love's redeeming work is done, fought the fight, the battle won. Death in vain forbids his rise. Christ hath opened paradise. Soar we now where Christ hath led, following our exalted head, made like him, we celebrate this in baptism, don't we? Made like him, like him we rise, ours the cross, the grave, the skies. King of glory, soul of bliss, everlasting life is this, thee to know, thy power to prove, thus to sing, and thus to love. Come and see. That's what is said to you today. Come and see how much he loves you. Come and see this empty tomb. And that brings us to the final message of the angel. Number four, go and tell. Verse seven, then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead. Those are marching orders in this story, aren't they? And that's our assignment today. That is our mandate, our mission as followers of Jesus, as messengers of this empty tomb. And see the note of urgency that's there. It's not just go and tell, but there's an adverb that's connected to our going. It says, go quickly. I can tell you from recent experience that sometimes I ask my kids to get dressed or get in the car or do their chores, and it is not quickly. (laughs) You might describe it as sluggish. And I see that sometimes and I'm thinking, isn't that such a reflection of where my heart is at sometimes? You know, sometimes I think we can be rather sluggish about this task to go and tell that it's not that urgent. And maybe, frankly, you might think it's not that important. And if it is important, then we'll just leave it up to the religious professionals or the fanatics who are out there. But it's not my job. And we're going to take our time putting on our shoes and getting out the door. But the angel says, go quickly. Vamanos. There's work to be done. There's a sense of urgency here. Because this news, let's recap. This news, don't be afraid. He isn't here. Come and see. 
is such good news, it is such vital news for every person that we have to go and tell. Time is of the essence. We have to go from here quickly and tell the news that I proclaim to you today that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died on the cross and was raised from the dead for you. It was the will and desire of God to do so. Do you know that? That it pleased his heart? That's why he did it? To forgive your sins? To conquer your death? To set you free from every power of darkness? We need good news. I don't need to remind you of that. We need the gospel. And it is given to us in our risen Lord and King. I want to close by showing you a special gift that I received. Some of you saw it because you were there Thursday night. It came back with our team of pilgrims who had traveled to Israel. And they gave it to me at the Seder meal Thursday night. And honestly, as I received it, I didn't really know what it was. I mean, I knew it was a prayer shawl, but that's about all I knew. And so the past couple of days, I did some digging. And what I found out is that this Jewish prayer shawl is called a talit, T-A-L-L-I-T, talit. And it is worn actually every day, every morning for prayer, and then also for some holiday occasions in the faith. And I also found there's a very specific way that you're supposed to put this on, which, sorry, I didn't know that Thursday night. But when you take the talit, you look for the atarah, and the atarah is right here at the top. That is this thin strip of fabric that makes up the neck piece. And what you do is you look for the atarah, and you hold it in front of you, and you then recite the prayer that's written there in Hebrew. And so you read this prayer, Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and commanded us to enwrap ourselves in the tzitzi. Now what are tzitzi? That is this Hebrew word that signifies the tassels. See these longer tassels that hang from each of the four corners of the talit. They're very intricately, specifically made with eight long strands that are then tied in the center at a knot. And so it looks like you have four strands on each side. And I won't go into all the math. You have to also end up counting the knots that are part of it and so on. But altogether, the tzitzi signify the 613 commands of the Jewish law. And so that's why this prayer on the Azarah says, who has sanctified us with his commands. But here's what I noticed. I'm reading this online and I'm looking at my talit and the Azarah and I'm saying, that's not what this says. I mean, my seminary Hebrew is a little rusty, but I know enough to know that it didn't match. And so I start to look at this a little closer, and then it clicks. This talit, this prayer shawl, is for Jews who are following Jesus. So let me tell you what this blessing says. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe. First half is the same, isn't it? But then listen to this. Who has fulfilled all of the law through Jesus the Messiah and have covered us in his righteousness. So you take it like this. 
You put it over your shoulders and you're ready for prayer. You see the difference? Talit number one, you've got 613 commandments to do. Talit number two, the one that I have on, says you can't do that. Not in your life. But all those commands are fulfilled for you in Christ. And you are covered, not in your own righteousness, but in His. You know, this talit, it occurs to me, is not all too different from the burial shroud that Jesus was buried in. Those grave clothes that he took off, wrapped up, and folded on the table. The shroud that was left empty when Jesus walked out of the grave. And I don't know this morning, some of you I have not met personally yet, I don't know what you're walking into this year. I don't know what you might be walking through right now, this moment, some of you having to be at home because you can't even come to worship here in person. I don't know what illness is upon you, what fractured relationship, what distress, what financial worry, what tumult in your family, but I do know this, that there is tremendously good news for you today in Christ. There is good news that God speaks over your life this morning, that He has set you free, that you are called to be His because you are clothed in the righteousness of Christ who lives. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. Let's bow our heads together. Oh Lord, the tomb is empty. You are risen. And it makes all the difference in the world for us. Lord, may we personally take in this good news today. Would you lift us up Encourage us where we're at, Lord. And then would we go from here with a sense of urgency to tell the world this good news. We thank you. We praise you. And now we join our voices together in the words of a prayer that you taught your disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. My friends, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and may he give you his abiding peace. And all God's people said, amen. Christ is risen. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Y Church Podcast. For more information about the Y Church, check us out online at theychurch.org.